Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Real Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Samino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me as always is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is. Good evening, good night. What is what does the great Jim good. Carrey say in the hit film? Uh, good afternoon, what? good evening, and good night. What is it in Truman oh. Show? Doesn't he say oh. something like that? I thought you'd say good night and good luck. Like uh, oh, that well, that too. David Strathern says that too in another yeah. hit film. So yes. <laughs> whenever you're like, we're just covering the gamut because this is a podcast and anyone can listen to it at any time. <laughs> we're we're not going to try and bring Truman Show and Good Night and Good Luck together. <laughs> no, uh, no, <laughs> that was merely a salutation from your hosts of the NRL Deep Podcast. So welcome back, Andrew. Welcome back, everyone. We haven't done one of these in a very very long time. We've been very busy people, and we are back to talk a little bit about a broad topic. I would say broader than we normally approach on this podcast. Yeah, it's uh, like a State of the Union. I don't know why it's in June, but uh, <laughs> sure. It's a mid, it's a mid-season, a mid-year review of the movie world. I would say that's a good topic for as we head into summer blockbuster season, and you got like Marvel movies and dinosaurs and and the industry stuff. sort of changing before our eyes, or not even necessarily changing, right. but the slow evolution and the propensity for sort of disruption is probably stronger than ever. So I think it's a very good thing to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get that far, let's do beverage of choice. Um, it is midday for you. It is early for me. I'm enjoying a nice uh, cup of black coffee, but I bet you have a way better drink on your end. Yeah, it's the uh, middle of the day. My daughter's down for a nap. It's uh, it's quite quite warm here in, in Maryland. Um, so I'm drinking a Bitch Monkey Sour Ale from Seven Locks Brewing right here in Rockville, Maryland. Mm. Um Local and uh, yeah, nice, nice sour. So it's like a nice, crisp, refreshing thing for a summer day. There you go. Very good. Get loose and conversational for this great podcast. Yes, and hopefully Seven Locks will be sending a twenty-four pack of their. <laughs> yeah, we haven't gotten any there. sponsorships yet. I We've know. mentioned so many ales and loggers and stuff on that, and still no dice. I know. We should mention at this point that uh, we we do have a, an email sign up if you want to keep track of uh, our latest content. We're only going to send stuff out once a month, but you can go to our website, sign up for it. Uh, and there are literally less than five people on that list right now. So sponsors, you know, just hit my hands out. Money, please. Come, money. Money, please. money or drinks or reach, anything, really. <laughs> reach threes of people. <laughs> We'll get there. We're building it bit by bit. You know, you got to build a foundation before you can put the next level. So true. Yes. Well, we we wanted to do that basically so that we could, uh, you know, with all the Facebook changes and stuff like that. Like we're not being too strategic about it, but you know, we figure email is actually a better way to keep up with us, especially since you know we have sort of the core set of folks that follow our work. So sure, and realdeep.com, everybody head there. That's where there's way more stuff than just this podcast. So plenty of reviews and a longer story there as well that Andrew penned, which is actually the impetus for this particular conversation on the future of film. Andrew, you called it the future of film is now. So this is, I I think this is one of the best things you've written, well-sourced, well-researched, and you really got into based on other people's works and, and your own thoughts on where the film industry is headed from this point forward. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I titled that the piece that way because because I, I read a couple books in the last. Well, I should say I read and listened to one. I'm, I'm doing the audible and the on my drive to work and then reading as well. I read a couple books that really influenced my thinking. Um, for the last few years, you know, I, I think we all know that there's sort of like disruption in the film industry generally. You know, with Netflix and Amazon coming in, and um, you know 
if you read the headlines, you know, even though the, there's these enormous box office numbers for like Disney and uh, other, you know, big blockbuster f- films, the, the film industry and the, the theaters are, are actually suffering in terms of like volume of ticket sales. Now they keep doing things to counteract that, like 3D and everything like that to, to keep the dollars up. But, um, you know, the, the reality is people aren't, especially with things like Netflix, people just aren't going to the movie theater as much as they used to. Um, and a lot of my thinking up until these two books I read was really that, um, you know, Netflix and Amazon were shaking things up, but that, you know, the end point um, or of what the film industry was going to sort of like look like in the future was still to be determined. And something I, at least I, as someone who's just really a fan with a, semi-professional approach to things um uh didn't really couldn't really wrap my arms around and after reading these two books i changed my mind and i said no what like the 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 war is sort of over uh and um and so any books are the big picture by ben fritz uh who's a who is a um a wall street journal reporter and uh, the book came out this spring and I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, it's sort of like a b- business study. Um, and then the other one is called the attention merchants by Tim Wu, which is from um, a couple years ago. And that one factored a little less in there, but essentially what these two books kind of combined to, to convince me of is that um, the trends we're seeing now are just, they're going to sharpen and, and, um, and 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 become more of just the future of what films are um, in the coming years. There is no other future version of the film industry that's going to emerge. Like I think what we've got, the, the names and the companies might change a little bit, but what we've got now today is what I think we're going to have in five years. And that's really um, uh, an industry where people go to the theater only to see a certain kind of film. Uh, and I, I think that's those Disney, really Disney's perfected it, um, blockbuster style films, comic books, superheroes, dinosaurs, whatever it might be, um, <laughs> things that really can get the whole family there and make it sort of feel like an experience and that sort of thing. And um, I think sort of like to, to borrow a college basketball term, like the mid-major film, like the comedy for adults or the star-driven drama, uh, like with Meryl Streep or something like those are not going to be available in your theater anymore. Um, and, uh, and I think where they're going is Netflix and Amazon. And I, I will stop talking here in a second, but I think the <laughs> most interesting thing about that, and it's kind of, it's a par- it's a paradox. I really struggled to wrap my head around is that Netflix and Amazon are going to kind of save that mid major star vehicle film. Uh, and I think that's generally a good thing. And yet, in a way, both of those companies, for different reasons, don't really care about those films at all uh, in terms of quality. They, ju- they just care if people are, in general, are watching their content. Um, in, Net- in Netflix's case, it's a pure subscription play. They want, they want people like binging it. In Amazon's case, it's, it's even more removed. They, Amazon just kind of wants you using Amazon stuff, whatever it might be. Um, <laughs> because they're going to make money off of it somehow right um so i I just it it really sort of changed my my thinking around this and i'm like oh so and it 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 made it made sense of a few things that i think um people may not have 
notice quite uh, or or wrap their arms around, which is like Adam Sandler going to Netflix and doing like a four movie deal. And I think he's extended there. Will Smith releasing that was at Bright at the end of this year. Um, yep. Like, uh, you know, why did that happen? That just seemed really weird when it happened. But it all makes sense when you think about um, kind of the Disneyification of and, and I say that broadly with Star Wars and Marvel and, and, and everything Disney's doing now uh, and them being really successful and the other major studios just really not being successful on the on the level of Disney. I mean, Disney changed the game and well, Marvel and then Disney, which purchased Marvel, really have changed the game. Um, and what, what's at stake is the theater. I mean, and that's that's kind of where the, the piece ends. Um, what you can see, what you will be able to see in the theater, um, especially if you're not in a major urban center. You and I are both close to one, so it won't affect us as much. But um, that's sort of the piece. It's really long, probably the longest thing I've ever written. But I'm really I, I, thanks for saying nice things about it. I'm really proud of it. Um, <laughs> of course. I do borrow, do borrow from some really smart people. Um, and I really can't recommend both of those books enough. Um, uh, but that's sort of where that's that. that that was kind of a big aha for me. And maybe I spend more time thinking about that because I'm not at the theater as much anyway. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of chained to my couch anyway on, on Friday nights a lot of the time. So, so, um, <laughs> so I have time to think about these things and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's but, interesting stuff. But that makes, I mean, it's, and you, you know, illustrated all your points so clearly there. And again, it's a great piece and everyone should read it, especially if you're listening to this podcast and, and you're expanding upon things we talked about on this very podcast Almost two years ago, I guess it was 21 months ago, on episode 26, we talked about Stranger Things when that premiered on Netflix. And we sort of talked about that because it wasn't a movie, it wasn't in theaters, but there was sort of a, a mushiness now to what is defined as what, you know? Right. And it's even it's become even more muddled, as you noted, since Netflix started acquiring actual movies. Back then, right. it was pretty much almost, it was series and older movies that it was showing, and now they're making their own, so or at least purchasing their own. So... It's a very interesting, and if you're the kind of person who is not a huge fan of the theater, which it would be weird that you're listening to this podcast because you, I would expect most of our listeners are like us, big nerdos who really enjoy going to the movies. But if you're not a fan of that, this is a great time for you. You yes. have a lot of things delivered right to your doorstep, and you can access almost anything you want from home, either for three or four dollars on rental or for nine, ten dollars if you subscribe to any one of these services. So yeah. it is, it's a, it's a lucrative time to just consume entertainment in mass but it does you know I, I think about the movies you talked about in your piece uh, Okja and Meyerowitz stories the Noah Baumbach movie I love Noah Baumbach I enjoyed so many of them Squid the Whale is one of my favorite movies ever I really like Greenberg like I really enjoy him as a director and writer for the most part I have not seen the Meyerowitz stories because Netflix is so flat you know Netflix I mean I, there was a billboard in downtown LA I was aware it was being released but I didn't make a point to watch it when it came out and a week later it it was buried under six other things that came out. You know, it was just, it's, it's always there. I, I can watch it when we're done this podcast, I can pop it on and I probably should, but it does. That's, that's one of the more awkward things I think about this over the, the, the streaming platforms and all that. Yeah. It's just, it's a constant barrage of things to keep your attention. Uh, Amazon is a little more, not, not, I don't want to say selective, but they have a little bit different approach than Netflix. They're not just throwing so much at you constantly. Like you yeah. said, they're, they're Amazon's pretty confident at this point that you're engaging with their, company in some capacity so they're putting things in theaters they're 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 having a more a little bit more of a traditional model netflix is just an endless you know tsunami of content at your eyeballs and ear holes and 
it's it, it again if you if you just want to consume the next hot thing it's it's a nice time for you but if you're like myself and you want to make an experience out of it you like the whole ambiance that comes with either going to the theater or watching a specific product because you enjoy it it just makes it a little bit harder to do that and that flatness is a little concerning even if it does become the home of all these mid-major movies you described a lot of them are just gonna you know everyone's gonna miss them because they're just gonna be caught up in watching some dumb shit yeah and i i think i made this um point in the in the very towards the very end of my piece and i agree with you like i i just uh i don't get to go to the theater as much as i (laughs) i would like to obviously i have a two-year-old two and a half year old um and uh uh I, i miss it um to be honest with you and i think the i think what you're getting at is that going to see a movie and i said this in the piece going to see a movie in the theater is a vastly different experience than sitting on your couch and watching streaming something on Netflix, even from just an attention um, perspective. I mean, now I, I at least, uh, you and I probably both don't check our phones during the middle of a movie and when we're in the theater. Um, but when I'm at home on the couch, like I might spend uh, two minutes looking at Facebook while the thing's playing, um, especially if it's not like a particularly um, great great movie or and, we're, like, and, we're, and we're quote unquote good movie watchers you know like right. in theory we should be above this and we're not so it's it, and so it's just it, i guess what i what i kind of get at is that i think something will be lost to a degree um when you can't go see um a movie like Meyerowitz stories in the in the theater um now i, I don't think movies in the theater are going away um obviously like any Disney movie is going to be in the theater. Um, that's the kind of thing people want to see in the theater. But I think there's kind of a lack of appreciation now for, well, to step back, I think people still love to see action oriented movies on a giant screen. They still see the value in that. Uh, I think people don't quite understand the value of just being in the theater and watching something with the lights off, surrounded by strangers, not checking your phone. Um, and the kind of, the way that transport you ports you into a story versus again, sitting with the cap sitting on your couch at home with maybe the lights dimmed and then you pause it to go and get a snack, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I think that's a, that's a loss. Uh, and, uh, and one, one that's going to hit, um, hit movie fans, uh, especially, you know, in again, not like sort of exurban areas or smaller cities that don't have art house theater. Like you're in LA, I'm in outside Washington. You know, we're always going to be able to see, um, offbeat stuff in the theater. That's not, I was just going to say on Memorial day weekend on a Sunday, I saw first Reformed, the Paul Schrader, uh, religious drama on a beautiful, you know, afternoon in Los Angeles could have been outside, went to the movies instead, but there were, it was a, it was a, you know, there were 80, 90, a hundred people in the theater. So in Los Angeles, at least, or in those places you describe where there are probably a slightly, uh, definitely an audience for it and, and the theaters to support it and a more of an infrastructure for film fans. It certainly is, is alive and well when you see when that many people on a sunny day are seeing this super yeah. dark, depressing religious movie. <laughs> but like you said, it's, it's just, it's just not going to be as accessible everywhere and i don't know that's not going to happen tomorrow but it's going to be a slow bleed and it is unfortunate that that will probably be the case in a lot of places well and i'm not an economist but to 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 link it back to broader trends you know you think about things like the the quote-unquote retail apocalypse or whatever they're calling it well Mm -hmm. what what is in a mall um, besides a bunch of stores usually a movie theater um and uh you know if people aren't going to 
the mall to buy their shoes anymore or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I, I do think in, in some sense the, there's a real threat to, to theaters again, not, not, you know, New York, LA, Washington, big cities, you know, that's not, they're not, that's not going to change, but, um, but you know, in places like probably where you and I grew up, um, you know, certainly Maine, um, yeah, it's, I, it's, it, it may be a sort of a, a bystander <laughs> casualty in in sort of larger larger forces here. Um, sure. So, well, let's so. jump to something very similarly related to this topic, and that's Movie Pass. Yeah. Um, I you are not a movie. I think in another life or in a younger life, you would have been a fervent Movie Pass owner. Yeah. Or I I currently have Movie Pass. I love Movie Pass. Because I live in, as you noted, one of those big urban centers where movies cost $15, $16, $17. Yes. I signed up for MoviePass for, I believe, $109 for the year. And I am well ahead of that $109 <laughs> so far in terms of the amount of movies I've seen. So it, it's a great invention. It doesn't seem... <laughs> It, it's not great for the people who own it, I would say, it's but it's great for... It's a terrible business model. It's a terrible... There's so many stories out there. Go go, just Google News Movie Pass and read a few of the stories about the trouble, the stock price of the parent company, the inherent flaw in the system or in the product, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's great for a movie fan in a place where... If, if you live within, you know, mile two, three of a movie theater that accepts movie pass, you're in great shape. And honestly, I don't think it's, I, I, from everything I've read, it's not bad currently for the theaters either because they get their money. Movie pass loads the amount of the ticket onto your, you know, movie pass debit card. You swipe it. Everyone gets paid. And then you buy, maybe you're more prone to buy a snack or a drink or, you know, whatever. Like there is, I think there are benefits for everyone at this point. Again, Sans, the parent company of movie pass, which is bleeding money constantly. But it does just speak to the what you know an uncertainty about what happens next. Um, it's it's movie pass is not going to last. There, it's it's the most emblematic example right now of a stupid startup that is <laughs> just trying to bleed money and survive by offering you something at under cost until they figure out a way to monetize themselves, which they almost certainly will not do in time to survive. Yeah. And, and what happens, like, and, and, and if this is what it takes to get people to the theater in some ways, that's not a good sign. As you noted, they're, the, the way that they're surviving right now, or, or pretending to thrive at least, is by charging $17, $18, by charging $22 for a 3D movie, and then saying, oh, box office receipts are still up, but ticket sales are certainly down. Right. So, I, I just, I think we can all sort of, th though I, I know for many people who have movie pass are loving the ride like I am, but I think we can certainly speculate what happens when this goes away. Um, I'm sure there will be – now that it's happened, there will be other movie passes. I know certain chains are offering their own version of it, right. which is which probably is a little more sustainable. But just what is, is – is this what it's going to take at this point is basically bribing people to get them to go to the theater? Like I, it does not portend an, uh, the strength of the industry <laughs> returning in any real way. Yeah, I mean, you know – uh, yeah, to your point, like I think Movie Pass is. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had I had Movie Pass in a past life. Because um, you saw so is... many bad movies, you would have been you would have been in heaven. You would yeah. you could see all the trash you wanted. Uh, I'm, I mean, Movie Pass is is not gonna not gonna be sustainable because I I don't know what they're gonna monetize, you know. Um, so that that's not gonna work. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's obvious. Chief economists Andrew and Steve declare Movie Pass doomed. 
Well, I mean, there, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's not going to work. You're 100 percent right. We all, it's all, everything, everyone's pretty much accepted that at this point. Yeah. As currently constituted, without some sort of crazy price increase or some magical advertising trick that they have up their sleeves. Right. Right. Um. And and the obvious end around, like you said, is for the theater chains themselves to just do it. Um. Which makes much more sense in my head. Um. But I think you're right. You know. Well, I think one of the good good things about all this disruption is that the movie theaters are finally the movie theater change the, the big ones are finally treating it like more of an experience you know you think about things like the reclining seats the assigned seats the theaters you can go to where you can get a drink in you know it's very civilized and adult um and they're doing that to, because the experience of sitting on your couch at home is just so damn convenient you have to make it you have to you have to get people off the couch. And how do you do that? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, right now, as far as I can tell, there are only two ways to get people off the couch and away from Netflix or Amazon or whatever. And that is to, you know, put a relatively famous star in a leotard and somehow link it to a cinematic universe and then to <laughs> tr- to make them feel like they're not on a fucking con- conveyor belt at a, at, a, at a theater chain where they have to, you know... Here's your, here's your fucking candy. Here's your popcorn. Here's your, go sit down, motherfucker. And go, good luck finding seats. Like, you know, I think the, like, as recently as five years ago, the, the, uh, the experience of going to like a Regal or an AMC was awful. And I think they're finally getting better there. But, um, is that going to be enough? I, it, that's why I think it's, that's why I think it's going to all, all change because I, I still don't think that's going to necessarily be enough to, um, mitigate some of the, the trends that that we're seeing you know do do we do we need these multiplexes with 20 screens anymore like i i i really fear that those those movie theater chains are not going to be able to put enough movies on on 20 screens um because that's the other trend that's really interesting about what disney's doing you know um not only have they taken a lot of the risk out of um out of their properties like the, everything they make is pretty much guaranteed to make money in a solo and i know we're going to talk about that maybe is not going to be that but that's going to be the first one in a while for them like i'm, I'm thinking back to like john carter which was like six years ago or something. <laughs> um and uh, uh you know but they're also releasing less and less which is i think interesting too you know the, the and this is what uh, ben fritz goes into in the big picture sony pictures uh that's where he picks up a lot of this stuff from and he gets he goes into the hacked emails from uh from the north koreans but you know they really spread their bets thin uh like a lot of bets uh and um and they put out a lot into the into the market Uh, and disney you know come in marvel they're just now doing three films a year um which is really interesting i mean it, it it i think it actually is a from a artistic perspective is a really good thing it means it means that they're focusing on quality if you're only if you have that much energy behind only two to three films a year um i think that's a good thing and um uh but you know how do you fill again how do you fill the multiplex with 20 screens i don't i don't know um i don't think you do anymore you know so i don't know some of those theaters become racquetball courts or something i, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> no, it's as good know. a plan as i've heard so far yeah. why not i like racquetball yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it does it, it is going to be a really interesting and i think you know i don't want to be 
the crusty, I don't think either one of us wants to be the crusty old man who is like, oh, it was better in my day. When, like you said, you could go to like bug infested, crappy chain <laughs> theaters and sit through garbage movies for bad popcorn. Like that was not a sustainable business model either. And that's being proven oh. now. Like it was, it was one we all accepted because it was the reality of the situation. But I, I like the idea a lot of the movies being a special night out a little more. Like yeah. I don't, it's awkward when something that was $10 is now $22 and yeah. the experience is not, ex, you know, extremely amped up and improved. So as long as there is some attempt to, to make it a more enticeable, enjoyable evening, I think that's great. But I do also like to go to the movies by myself sometimes on like a Tuesday afternoon and yeah. see some random thing. And I don't need that to be a fancy, you know, yeah. seat that reclines. So it's like, if there's a weird, there's a weird middle area there that we could, that we're talking about that is going to be lost no matter what. And I feel yes. like that is, there's nothing we can, I feel like there's very little that can be done about that. Like yeah. I'm currently, I literally, before I was talking to you, I was watching the hit film Down Periscope, uh, <laughs> 90s comedy starring Kelsey Grammer about a submarine captain learning to love his ragtag crew love that movie to death probably cost like three million dollars probably made seven million dollars if even that and, and they and granted that was a lifetime ago in terms of the film industry but they certainly don't make movies they, they don't make little things like that anymore really like not not to that extent they make you know big comedies they make animated films they make comic book movies they make uh you know stuff along they, they make like you said they don't they don't throw a bunch of darts and hope that you know five of the eight stick they make three tent poles and they expect two of the three to blow everyone out of the water so it, it has worked it, it's it, the bubble's eventually going to burst though and i think that's really what we should get into in terms of solo and solo I don't, solo is not the bubble bursting by any means it's still going to do very well it'll probably i it costs a bunch of money but i imagine at the end of the day it'll break even the reviews have been solid i saw the movie uh, it was fine but i think you know the aftermath of it uh both both you know in the general uh movie media and then even in my own head and heart speaks yeah. to the potential trouble here which is and I told you this before we started talking. I can't summon the strength to write a review of Solo. I just <laughs> cannot do it. I, I'm, I'm using this podcast to ultimately talk about it because I just don't care. Like, it's just very hard. It's just hard to, to talk about it in any detail because it was fine. It was a movie. It wasn't the disaster some people thought it was going to be. It wasn't the return to form that people are hoping for, sort of from Star Wars movies. It, it sort of felt like a different version of that. You talked about a conveyor belt at the theaters. This sort of felt like Star Wars and, and you know, franchises in general, the, the, the dangers of it and the conveyor belt element of that, which is here's your goddamn Star Wars movie once a year. Enjoy, you pack of idiots. <laughs> You'll see it because Star Wars is in the title. And yeah, that's true, especially in a movie pass world. I'll see pretty much anything. I saw Tomb Raider earlier this year. I'll <laughs> see I'll see anything in theaters at this point because it's uh, you know free. It, way, but I can't believe you saw that by the way, but yeah. <laughs> that was an honor of you. You can't go see Tomb Raider or the like. So why not on a Thursday afternoon? <laughs> you, you wrote a review of Tomb Raider by the way, but no solo. <laughs> I okay. And I stand by that. I'd much rather talk about Tomb Raider than Solo, which is crazy. And I you know, you think but I, I don't know. I've lost. I, I really enjoy the Marvel movies. I've talked about that as nauseum. I enjoyed Infinity War. I think they're doing a very good job storytelling, casting, making them all feel somewhat important. Star Wars is an example. It's not as bad as you know the DC uh, comic universe, which is a horrible claptrap disaster. But yeah. the Star Wars movies just feel sort of piecemeal and sort of 
Um, they feel like they, they they feel like they exist for the sake of existing. Like yeah. Marvel seems to have a plan. You can you can debate whether that plan is is good is, involves good filmmaking or whether it is you know beneficial for movie making in general. But it is from 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 my perspective, from a from a storytelling perspective, I I like it. With Star Wars, I don't I didn't ask. I didn't need to know why Han Solo won the Millennium Falcon. I didn't need yeah. to know what the Kessel Run was. I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't ask for it. I don't need a Boba Fett movie. Like, I guess I'll see the Boba Fett movie, but it's just not what I'm looking for. And and I think there's going to be hope. Ryan Johnson is going to you know make a whole new trilogy, which I think is is the right way to go. Tell tell a unique story within this universe and make me like it for reasons beyond because Star Wars is in the title, but. Solo is is just a very strong example, I think, of 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 the downsides of all this thing, and and it also reinforces how awkward it is to say I love this one Disney franchise cinematic universe, but I hate this other one. It's like, but they're owned by the same corporate entity; they serve the same purpose. Yes, they're different in terms of story and everything, but at what point does it all become just irrelevant? Like, at what point are you just like, how 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 much strength can you summon? To, to bash one, praise the other, and draw a distinction. It's, it becomes very difficult. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a couple thoughts, but I think one of the interesting things about the, the, the book that Ben Fritz wrote, he sort of said, he, he makes this point about Disney. The thing you have to remember is, uh, you know, the movie serves the brand now with Disney as opposed to the brand uh, serving uh, – the the brand serving the movie um star wars is uh like marvel is is about toys and amusement parks and spin-offs and everything like that and um you know it's if if i i guess my 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 sort of i haven't seen solo obviously but my 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 thing is i i would the thing i would say to you is is probably that what you don't like is tactical and not strategic. It's ex- execution based and not with sort of Disney's overall um, plan. Um, I guess I have two other thoughts there. One, um, you know, I'm struck now that now, as you sort of mentioned this um, by my own feelings about Marvel right now, which are I basically any of the like more conventional characters in the Marvel universe right now, like Ca- Iron Man and Captain America, um, I just don't care about. I don't, I don't need, like, need to see them again. I don't need to see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man again. But every time um, I see one of these more offbeat movies, I, I end up having way more fun. And and I guess not even offbeat, but just maybe characters I'm un, unfamiliar with. Like Black Panther, I loved. Black Panther is not really an offbeat film. It's uh, it's definitely within the sort of Marvel oof. But it's it's. Uh, it's like it, I wasn't familiar with the characters at all, really. So it was, it was just different. Um, uh, so, you know, and, and I'm struck by the fact that um, this, this two Star Wars movies that have come out that are out like sort of outside of the the main storyline of the nine or the eight that we've had now are really just spinoffs based on very small plot details. And like the first 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 <laughs> one, like um, like and you know it's like it's like when we talked about um casablanca all those like a year ago or whatever um you know and they, and i read this book and they were talking about like they were doing a sequel or a prequel where rick was like ru- rick was running guns and you're like no just like that's that's part of the whole mystery like i don't need to know i, I don't need to know anything about i i assume that now that 
Kessel Run as part of this. Um, they did the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Like, I don't even need to know what that line of dialogue Who is. gives a shit? It was a throwaway line from the first movie. Well, it was it, like, it's uh. better. It's better. It actually adds texture without, it adds mystery without, like, you don't need every mystery uncovered. And in, in, like, it's kind of like the nerds taking over, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of struck by that. Like, I'm nervous about sort of Star Wars spinning off and, um, you know, they don't have like that deep source material really that, that you can rely on. Whereas like comics, you've got, you know, 60, 50 years of, of source material, good and bad that you can kind of plumb the depths of. So I don't know. It's just, you know, yeah. To your point, like it's, it's how do you even get the energy up to sort of, I, I don't have the energy to really criticize Marvel because every time, even even the Captain Americas and the Iron Mans, I go and watch those movies. I enjoy them. They're nice. They're not like. <laughs> they're, they're it's good. It's it's good. Like it's just it's just not like. I guess to bring it back to what we've been talking about, like what I worry about is that if that's all there is in the theater, like then I, I personally am not going to want to go to the theater as much. Like, I don't, you know, um, then it becomes truly about taking the kids and the family to the theater and not about actually watching the movie, which for people like us, you know, it is about watching the movie. And, um, you know, to your point that I think it's more just recognizing that something is going to be lost more than we can do anything about it. But yeah, you and I are not going to lead the rebellion to turn this around. Unfortunately, no, no, we're not going back to the nickel movie theaters. Of <laughs> no, we're not. It was like just get into the free air conditioning, and um, no, that's not that's not coming back. And that's Go okay. see a talkie. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I I actually agree with you totally. I'm not curmudgeonly about this. I think it's actually a good thing that like. Netflix and Amazon saving some of these other movies is probably going to mean that more people than ever are going to actually see some of this stuff. Um, yeah. In a way. I, I bet Meyerowitz stories, if you broke down, and, and, and that's another thing I wanted to talk about, which, which is, which sort of ties in that. I bet if you looked at the numbers, more people saw Meyerowitz stories than any other Noah Baumbach movie ever. At least, like, you know, if you're talking tickets sold versus people who streamed 75% of the movie, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the number one. Adam Sandler's in it. Uh, it was on a service that, you know, a billion people have. I bet it's his most watched movie. But what does that mean? It, it sort of loses its, uh, that, that, that would matter if it was in theaters and you saw the box office you and i care about that kind of thing because we want to see a director or writer or actor or actress that we like have a successful career and do more work so you see a good numbers you go oh cool that means they'll get a chance to make something else if if Meyerowitz stories is streamed 10 million times a we never know that and b what does that mean like i I mean hopefully it means no bombach gets another more shots at netflix but it just it, it just becomes more opaque it becomes harder to discern what it all why it matters it just everything becomes a quiet notch in a belt that no one can even see so what's the point in even wearing it yeah and this is where i think you know it's, it's i do have to be very critical specifically of netflix because i mean i put this in the piece i think uh the ringer pointed this out originally in april netflix had released 25 films for in the in the first four months of 2018 uh, who can watch all that shit there's like there's that's no, more than one a, that's that's more than one a week that's that's yeah that's so crazy. It's like for me it's like the, the those bets are just spread way too thin like I can't even keep up with that um you know I put a trailer of this Jack Black Polka King movie in there which I watched <laughs> I kind of wanted to see because I like huh? liked past re- weird Jack Black role movies like um that movie Bernie I don't know if you ever saw that one uh, yeah Bernie's great I, I like that one and it was all right it was the Polka King was all right but it was like I didn't even like 
I had no idea that was there, and I just saw it, and I was like, what the hell is this, Jack Black in a movie called The Poker King? <laughs> like, okay. And that's all you know. Like, you don't have any, like, there's just, there's no infrastructure in place, like, like, movie, like, there are still trailers, obviously, and there are still, and if you really want to learn about these movies, you can find the information, but it's, again, it's so flat, it's not as, as simple. You have to really care to figure out what this is, how to find it when it comes out. It's just it's just very different. And maybe that'll get better over time, but as currently constituted, if things keep moving forward, they're, they're successful with how it's working right now. I hope that there's uh, they figure out a better way to highlight and, and separate the wheat from the chaff to a certain extent, because if it stays the way it is right now, a lot of things are going to, you know... Get yes, get on the service, but also fall by the wayside, and no one ever ever knows. Yeah, and I think that's the also the danger of uh, Netflix specifically. Like, sort of Netflix's va- whole value prop really is um, is its 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 deep understanding of what its users actually watch. Right? You know, I don't know if you know the backstory of how House of Cards started. Um, no, Isn't there something of, like they knew that there was interest in politics, Kevin Spacey, and something else, and they yes, pushed it all and, together? And David Fincher, and so yeah. that's literally what it was. Um, it's, uh, I mean, which is fascinating, but um, you know, then it, then like I, that's why I, I like. It's a Mad Lib, though. It's a it's a real life well, Mad Lib, right? And then the, then an educated a, version, and it becomes a recursive sort of loop. Like it, that doesn't mean that Netflix is creating anything good. It just means it's creating stuff that people will watch, which is why yeah. they have Adam Sandler, like yep. Adam Sandler for better or worse. Like people still like to watch his movies. Uh, I don't, but people do. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not 15 years old anymore, so I don't, don't really, well, I like his, actually he was good in the Meyerowitz stories, but, um, but, uh, but I don't like to watch his, his like, fart joke movies or whatever um anymore but people do and so netflix gives them a deal um and so i you know but that at this point really we're just we're just quibbling over you know again sort of tactical execution related things not um not sort of the general direction um yeah movies you know there's always been a sort of dynamic where the adam sandler movies exist to bankroll the smaller things like right. that's why you said in theory you you release a lot of things and <laughs> you take the wins for what they are you don't demand 200 percent returns on everything you get enough returns that you that you succeed in the end and make everybody <laughs> a bunch of money but as the business has become more of a business and gotten so intense and so hyper specific on certain elements, you the, it's just inevitably stuff falls away. And I hope that you know, and that's, that model remains true on Netflix to a certain extent. Again, Adam Sandler is subsidizing Noah Baumbach and right. is even in the Noah Baumbach movie. Right. But it's just it's just not. But it's not the same in terms. <laughs> it's just it's just the 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 dynamic gets switched a little bit when it becomes a streaming thing and when it's next to a John Mulaney special and a new season of Stranger Things and uh, Dear White People. And there's just, there's just a taste for everybody. And that's really cool. But, uh, you know, I, I, at a certain point, it, it, you do want to know what's good and what's bad. And that's not their, they, they don't, they don't make any money off telling people what's good and what's bad. They say, here's the stuff. Enjoy all the stuff. Don't worry about it. Click. Yeah. And I think there's sort of, again, a great line from, um, Ben Fritz's book, uh, and he talks about, um, I think his name is Ted Hope, who's now the head of Amazon Originals movies. Um, he's the head of, and he, he was a long time sort of independent filmmaker, and he really struggled in the two, like the 2000s, um, when there was a, another sort of phase of change. Um, 
And, you know, and he's done a great job at Amazon. We kind of agree. I think that Amazon and from a movie perspective, Amazon's like way better in terms critically um, is they've just, just putting out better stuff. Um, and he has this great line. He says, the, ir- the irony is that all this guy had hope to do is work for a company that doesn't really care about movies at its core, <laughs> you know, and, it, and that's the paradox. That was like, it took me a couple weeks to like really kind of wrap my head around that. I'm like, okay, so it's good that a company that doesn't care about movies is making good movies. Okay. I think I got that. But yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just different, you know, and it, it, it's related to the medium itself. Um, and, you know, I, again, I, I, I'm still fascinated by, that Stranger Things conversation we had because Stranger Things is a long movie. It's a long Steven Spielberg tribute movie. And, um, you know, the, the Marvel movies are a long TV show. They're episodic and they're by definition episodic. I mean, that's the whole point, you know, that's going to go on forever. And it's, so the, that, that whole ground is kind of shifting underneath our feet. And I don't like the weird thing for us is like blog owners is like, well, what, <laughs> What do we start reviewing? Like, what is a movie anymore? I don't, I don't know. I don't really know. Um, so, you know, we tend to we tend to still review stuff that ends up in the theater. But in five years, if all that's in the theater is Marvel movies, uh, I don't think we want a Marvel fan site. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not, and both site. of us saw, you know, I watched uh, two examples on Netflix. We both watched A Futile and Stupid Gesture, yes. which I think we both really enjoyed. And neither yes. one of us reviewed it. But we maybe we should have because it's honestly of all it's probably if I were to you know do a first half of 2018 top 10 it would be in there for sure yeah. I really really liked it yeah. and but then I also saw I saw Mute the new Duncan <laughs> Jones movie that was on Netflix and I thought it was a terrible nightmare yeah. and I didn't summon the strength to review that but I certainly had opinions on it and I actually kind of wish I had because it's a it's a movie Paul Rudd's in it uh, Alex Skarsgård's in it like it's it's you know there's no reason to differentiate that from Tomb Raider but. Yeah. In my head, I still sort of do, and I'm okay with not doing that at a certain point. I just don't know when we, like you said, change that line and change our viewpoint. Probably now, I guess, as we're talking about it. Why not, right? Yes. We what only better have, time than today? We only have 37 Netflix films to catch up on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, will, I think we can both agree that it is a fascinating time to yeah. be fans of this and study it. And, you know, if you're intrigued by the business model and the inner workings as we are, it's, there's all, so much going on. But I think we, we can all, where we can all also agree is be, no one wants to be ruled by two corporate overlords who release a certain series of movies every year and they're the only options you have. And I don't think movies are in super risk of that. As we said, if you adopt these new streaming services, you will never be at risk of that. But I think even that, even for theaters, there's, movies have this allure about them. You know, there will always be, uh, rich people, media moguls, directors, yeah. producers who want to be in the industry because they love the idea of movies. And yeah. I think that will always give the industry a little bit of a survival tactic or a little oomph when you think it's about to sort of fall by the wayside. There are people who just want to make movies and they want yeah. to bankroll their favorite people and they want to see more. So I don't think we are ever going to be at risk, or at least in our lifetimes, of really losing the stuff that we love. It just won't be so prevalent or it won't be yeah. so easily accessible. Or it'll be accessible through means that we haven't fathomed or don't currently take seriously and we'll need to sort of adapt our our how we interpret the media landscape around us again not the end of the world just just weird and i think there are certain elements of it that we that you and i really like that i hope will be maintained in some capacity because it's part of the charm as i see it 
Yeah, or we need like uh, we need to buy our houses and have MTV crib style movie theaters in the, in the basement. So <laughs> which can... I think we all would love to have that, yes. but I don't uh, know if we neither one of us can bankroll it at this point. Yeah, especially not if you're gonna have like the usher come in with like the. <laughs> uh, yeah, having a full time usher on staff would be a little uh, debilitating financially. Popcorn on the floor and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as we said, go to inraildeep.com, read Andrew's story. It's really good. And keep coming back. We'll keep doing reviews. We'll keep ta- we'll we'll hopefully we will almost certainly expand at some point to talk a little bit about Netflix movies, Amazon movies. Andrew, as he said, is chained to his couch now <laughs> due to family restrictions or family love, depending on how you want to look at it. It's a it's in the eye of the beholder. But either way, he, if Andrew, if you want to become our Netflix correspondent, that's that's very fine by I think by me at least. Uh, we'll see. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's, that's more, even more garbage than you are probably used to, which is saying a lot. But it's, yeah, it's a weird, weird thing. Yeah. yeah. Regardless, in real deep, will always be at the theater. Always be reporting on the great stuff. And the summer movie season is about to start. So even if you don't see a solo review up there, keep your eyes peeled because <laughs> I, for, I for one, will be going to the theater quite often and bringing some more great reviews to your virtual doorstep. So. Keep checking out the site, read Andrew's article, and go into our archives. Subscribe to the In Real Deep podcast if you haven't already. We haven't done a ton lately, but we have a backlog of 60-plus episodes. All great stuff. There's going to be plenty more Al Pacino podcasts (laughs) on the way. We will never stop doing those as long as we can possibly help it. And there's a ton of great stuff in the backlog there, so go check it out. Yeah. Do Fantastic. it. Oh, and sign up for our email list. Sign up for our email list. If you go there, you should get a pop-up. Don't be offended. It's a friendly pop-up. If you do it once, it will never haunt you ever again. And you will start getting uh, updates on all the stuff we're putting out. So definitely do that as well. Yeah. All right, Andrew. Thank you so much. It was great to chat with you. Love having you back. And we'll have to keep doing this more often. Yeah, man. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Adios.